Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, where we discuss digital transformation and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here, some of the most innovative thinkers and leaders in healthcare and technology talk about how they are driving change in their organizations. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Dr. Ram Raju of Northwell Medicine in New York. Dr. Raju, thank you so much for setting aside some time and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Patty. Oh, you're most welcome. So, Dr. Raju, New York has been at the center of the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you share a little bit about what the experience has been at Northwell, how it's impacted Northwell, and maybe share a little bit about your COVID-19 response efforts? No, this is something which none of us ever prepared for or even dreamt about. So this has been a, but the sheer number of it. And Northwell, as well as the, the other healthcare delivery systems in New York City, has really raised up the challenge, and especially the, the providers and the frontline workers have done a, a fantastic job of managing the flow of the patients, testing them, treating them, and able to stay with the patients and putting themselves at great risk. The, the, the health system has done a, a remarkable, remarkable job of trying to save as many people as they could. So this has been a, a story of a greatest success. We should be in this country which has really had such a devastating epidemic with a tremendous amount of sacrifice on the part of the people uh, to get this done. Now we are seeing some, we are seeing a diminution of the number of patients who are coming to our EDs with uh, uh, viral syndromes, as well as the, the number of people who are in the inner ICUs and the number of people who are on the ventilator. All of them are showing a very, very good downward trend. So uh, for all, it looks like uh, we are probably behind the, the apex of the curve. But this also has to do a lot with what government has done and also the discipline of the New Yorkers in practicing very, very strict social distancing, which has helped us a lot. Thank you for providing us with a background. And I hope for the sake of New Yorkers and for everyone else across the country and the world that we put this behind us uh, as soon as possible. Now, the healthcare impact and the immediate need of having to identify and treat uh, those that are infected with COVID-19 is one part of it. There's obviously a significant financial impact to the broader economy as a whole because of the shelter at home and uh, all of that, and to health systems in particular as a result of the pandemic. I know that the, the federal government has done its bit to help uh, the CARES Act to set aside some money, I think about $100 billion or so, to help hospitals deal with the additional costs. Is that making a difference? What is the outlook for hospitals and health systems in, in financial terms in, in this coming year? No, health care systems in the country has always been on a very thin margin, and they really do not have much uh, what is savings to fall back on. So uh, that is true for most of the healthcare delivery systems in the country, and New York City is no exception. It's so it is. this has produced a tremendous amount of uh, financial burden on the healthcare delivery systems, and the help from the federal government is definitely 
very much appreciated and very much welcomed. And it is also extremely important to keep the healthcare delivery system going in New York City. But the long-term economic issues will, will be, in my opinion, will be devastating because we have not seen what would the long-term outlook look like. Even after we have the epidemic, uh, the pandemic is well past us, uh, we will take a long period of time the economy to gear up to the level it has been there before the pandemic, as well as the confidence of the people able to go back to those restaurants in New York City, those tourist spots, to those games, and uh, you know all those things will take a long time for the New Yorkers and, and all, all across the country to get back to the way things were. So people already started talking about new normal after the, this pandemic. So we are going to see a different uh, way of people reacting to it. So that is unpredictable. And I think a large portion of economic recovery depends on the individual behavior and how much of confidence they will have in going back to doing things they have done before this without batting an eyelash. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's very well said. Now, healthcare itself, you know, if you look at it, it went overnight to a virtual care model. And I don't know how far along Northwell Medicine was in terms of its journey towards a telehealth mode of delivering care. But I imagine, like, as with other health systems across the country, whatever it was, has accelerated uh, significantly, I imagine. Could you talk a little bit about what some of those big changes were from the point of view of just virtualizing your care delivery? Northwell has been a leader in telemedicine for, well, I would say, last five or six years. And we have used telemedicine capabilities across our system very effectively. You know, teleradiology, telepsychiatry was a major component of it. And we had, you know, and also our transitional care workers use the telemedicine to a great extent to follow up on the patients who are high risk. And also we use it extensively on our readmissions task force and making sure that the people are really taken care of. Having said that, this particular way of, uh, it accelerated tremendously after our experience with this, uh, with the coronavirus. Now people do not, there was a little bit of reluctance on the part of the patients adhere to this telemedicine concept, but this pandemic actually opened the eyes and it made it more normal from the patient perspective of able to get on a telemedicine call and able to chat with the patient. So the new normal going into the future will be there'll be less reluctance and uh, there is a huge cultural change which has happened and people will be, you know, getting more and more care and consultations through this uh, uh, virtual technology to a great extent. So we believe that and uh, Northwell has done that before. So we need to gear it up, gear this up. That simply means that most of the healthcare delivery systems in this country has got to really change their working workflow issues. There may not be as many patients who would be coming to our regular clinic, and there may be a, a good number of people who will probably be seeking care and getting advice through uh, virtual technology. So that simply has got different kinds of uh, 
processes we need to evolve. We need more of people who are having the telemedicine concept. That means we need more hardware, more software, and more situation room kind of things where we are able to guide the patient through the system effortlessly and uh, with a minimal delay. But at the same time, on the, on the flip side, the real estate value of having these large clinics with the large waiting rooms and all those things need to be re- rethought because there may not be as many people coming through to occupy those waiting rooms in the large clinics, which uh, some of the hospitals have built in very recently you know, to accommodate more flow. Yeah. So we need to really figure out how do we make the shift from face-to-face medicine to virtual medicine and all the implications which come with that. We need to gear up certain areas of our system to accommodate high demand on the virtual uh, you know, doctor's visit. And we may have to shut down some areas of the healthcare delivery system which are not will not be needed as much in the new normal after the coronavirus. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make, Dr. Raja. And so what does that mean for the healthcare sectors? Are you anticipating that there'll be more M&A and consolidation? And uh, to your point, inevitably some hospitals just closing down. And what does it mean for healthcare consumers in general, You know, especially for vulnerable populations or rural populations or whatever? No, this will actually, what will happen is that the places which you need, uh, which cannot be done virtually, right, like an operation or delivering a baby or some of those things need to be done in a hospital still because which are basically uh, a face-to-face functions. Apart from that, the organization which has got the huge reach of telemedicine capacity will probably eat up into the market of the people with the telemedicine were able to attach to the doctors. In other words, if I have an opportunity to attach myself to hospital A, which where I was getting my face-to-face care, now I can attach myself with the same ease to another hospital, hospital B, which is like a large teaching hospital. I would prefer to go to hospital B because even now the distance does not matter. The geography does not matter anymore. In the past, geography, the distance mattered where I needed to go to the nearest place. I don't want to travel like, you know, 50 miles to go and see a doctor. But now that has changed. So there will be a tremendous reshifting of the healthcare delivery system in this country. You will see the hospitals which are basically doing mostly straightforward medical patients will probably have a very tough time keeping their doors open, but a hospital which has done as some specialist, like, uh, you know, orthopedic surgery or neurosurgery, spine surgery, that cannot be done through telemedicine, though naturally they will be in more demand to do that. So there will be, we will probably shift from, the primary care will probably may shift more, mostly to virtual technology, and the specialty care will probably sit with the hospitals. And the hospital need to figure out how can they shed their primary capacity in real estate and acquire more real estate on the specialty surgery. Yeah. Talking about uh, even the primary care shifting to telemedicine, Dr. Raju, there's uh, sections of the population, vulnerable, uh, low-income, rural, maybe you know other segments of the population that still are not necessarily as well-placed to receive care through a telemedicine uh, modality as maybe large affluent urban environments. And I'm kind of 
pointing out maybe two extremes here. But do you think that is a concern that vulnerable populations may uh, not benefit as much from uh, telemedicine as maybe other parts of the population? No, you are absolutely correct. That is the point I was making in my last webcast. The problem is this is a group of people who are, I call them socially vulnerable populations, which uh, which has been my main focus for the last 19 years and trying to figure out how can we create a health equity and social equity and social justice for the population uh, so that they can have a level playing field. And that has been a major concern of mine. So there are people who, who do not have either the literacy level, the knowledge level to be able to get this uh, technology going at least, and be able to utilize the technology or the inability to access to a computer or inability access to internet, a fast internet, which will make those virtual care easier. And then the language issues which come along with that. And all those things will really create a, a larger, I am worried that it will create more healthcare disparities in, for this socially vulnerable population. This is the population we call the social determinants of health. Right. This is the population which lives in the food deserts. These are population who live in the transportation desert. These are population who live in a publicly unsafe. These are people who live in a public housing with a large you know, lead poisoning effort. All those stuff which they suffer with, and now the fact of the matter is they tell you this healthcare also shifting to a technology which they are either not capable of, of utilizing it or they don't have the technology to get it done will probably be uh, left behind. That has been my major, major concern, right? How, how we want to do that. But the problem with that is it is, it is happening. So we will, we, I believe that there will be a further division of the healthcare delivery system in this country from the ability to pay issue. Right. There will be hospitals which purely cater to the people who are socially disadvantaged, like, public hospital systems in the country. And then there are hospitals which are basically catered to the people who has got a, a good insurance. So the two-tier healthcare delivery system, which I always ride against for many years, will get further divided. There will be a bigger division and a bigger gulf between the haves and have-nots in this country, which will kind of you know further damage, I think, the vulnerable population. So I'm very worried about that because the problem with that is the hospitals which are really trying to you know stay on the on the cutting edge of this they will probably invest more more time and energy on the telemedicine teleradiology and telepsychiatry and tele the using virtual care will probably be they think is a better investment than opening up the face to face encounter which will probably be only utilized mostly by socially disadvantaged people who also is another name for them is people who are poor and they can't afford and they have no insurance yeah. or they are or they are very underinsured people so this is a problem which will happen so there will be another shift of the values in this country and the question comes in there, how do we protect them? And that is a, a bigger question to ask. Yeah, no, I think that's a lot of food for thought there, Dr. Raju. Talking about the technology itself, so in my podcast, I mostly talk about digital technologies and digital transformation itself for health systems. Now, we've obviously seen telehealth kind of take off, all the, you know, all the visit numbers are going through the roof because of 
COVID-19. Do you see in general that health systems across the country are now going to be compelled to accelerate their digital transformation and accelerate their investments in technology to transform the way they deliver care, not just, you know, virtual visits, but a whole range of other things, you know, remote patient monitoring and uh, AI-led diagnosis and treatment. And so what is your view on that? Absolutely. You're absolutely. All those things will happen. We have really, we have learned, finally, finally, we broke the barrier, the cultural barrier of somehow people believing that getting a visit done through a virtual technology is somehow inferior to a face-to-face encounter. That is broken. So that means the floodgates are going to open. People are not really... They're not reluctant anymore to seek care and they're happy with the care they get through a virtual technology. So this is completely going to change the way and and most of the hospitals are going to race towards creating uh, the digital platforms and digital technology is acquiring or contracting that out to take care of the patients. It has really changed the way we do that and also the way they function. One of the things the hospital systems have seen, like any other business system in the country, that a good portion of their of the hospital employees can do not need to be in the hospital or in the in the corporate headquarters to provide care. They can actually stay at home and work remotely, and that has created another issue. So that there'll be about one third of the hospital's large workforce may be working from remotely. So that also creates another, both on the employee side, how we manage them, you know, when they work remotely. And also from the patient perspective, how can we use a digital technology to reach more patients in a, in a much more effective way? All those things are going to make the hospital go in the next few years. Absolutely, you know, a race towards the technology, race towards the digital platforms and trying to do the the things they need to do, like either caregiving or remotely monitoring, all those things are going to change. You're absolutely correct. So there will be less of a footprint of the hospital and the footprint will be more by the digital technology, which extends their influence over a larger footprint than they ever imagined in the past. But of course, at the same time, we also have to talk about the techno- existing technologies and how we leverage those technologies to integrate them into the future state. So I'm talking about EHR systems, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, EHR systems, this, there's been a lot of talk, you know, 35 billion, 40 billion in taxpayer money over 10 years. And of course, that I would argue is the single biggest digital transformation that has happened in healthcare over the last 10 years, just the digitization of patient records and creating you know, electronic workflows and so on. Now, some of the deficiencies or the shortcomings of electronic health record systems have been coming up. One of the biggest ones has been interoperability. We saw the final interoperability ruling go through earlier this year. Hopefully, the data flow among and uh, within EHR systems for delivering care and having the access to the data at the point of care is going to get better. What are your thoughts on the final ruling and what improvements in care do you think that's going to result in as a result of the implementation of the final rule? Even before we talk the final ruling, we need to think about what is an EHR or EMR will look like in the future. 
Yeah. We are moving into the virtual care and the telemedicine that basically the, the handwritten notes are gone or the typewritten notes are gone. They basically will be storing the patient's information and their visits through uh, videos into their EMRs because nobody is going to go back and uh, write anything. Nobody's going to type in something into that because it's basically their EMR in the future will be visit after visit after visit. All of them are basically the video clips of meeting the patient, talking to them. So the EHR will probably have less typing or, or in the, you know, less information in it than the video clips. That's what will probably happen over yeah. the period of time. So... That means uh, the interoperability, which you have worked so hard to create and connect the various aspects of it, will probably will take a different turn. And also, how do we store the video chats which are coming from various places? But eventually, you need to open the video chat to the smartphone, which has got different technology, right? Yeah. So, either, know, at least if you don't have that many major craziness here, because either Android or, or the iOS system where basically you are able to get to your doctor and able to do that. People are going to use, not necessarily computer, they're going to use a smartphone technology to talk to the doctor on their phone, like they do FaceTime today. So the question would be, how will you, then we need to have a special way, because they, those conversations are, are not necessarily you know, encrypted to the level we have the documentation encrypted at the present time. So the final rule, which is the final rule, is not going to be the final, final rule. It is going to be something very different in the future. So right, how do we do this and how, who gets information, who gets to see it, and how do you play it back if, if you really need to find that out? So there is going to be a lot of changes. The components of the EMR are probably going to change tremendously. It is going to be how we store the data, the EMR is going to be very different in the future than it is today. So we are still trying to make some amendments to or strengthening the various rules, uh, trying to get the information organized and synchronized across the way by all these rulings. Some of them will become moot point eventually because we will not be storing any more documentation. We'll be storing mostly clips. That is such an interesting perspective. I've never heard anyone say that to me so far, but just the notion that data, patient medical information in future is going to be stored more as video than as text. That is a fundamental paradigm shift, if you will, in how we look at patient medical information. How to, so you, you're right. If that is the case, then the needs for interoperability and the needs for even being able to access the the data in the form it is going to be available in future is going to change dramatically. That is so interesting. So, uh, Dr. Raju, we're almost out of our time here, and I, I just wanted to uh, ask you one last question. What do you see as a path for a return to normalcy in healthcare operations for the rest of the year? First of all, there will be new normal. We need to get used to that. There is no real way of doing things. There are things that are going to change tremendously, and it's going to be different. So, the new normals, normalcy, which is going to be the future, it is not going to be within a year. We may open the shops, we may open the hospitals, we may be trying to go back to the way things were, which will never be the way the things were. Having said that, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, because we do not know how the future look like, we are trying to get back to how the life was before 
this entire, before the, uh, we completely closed down the economy and the communities and societies in our country. So as we reopen it, we believe that it will be back to the way it was, but it will not be. It will be completely very different. And we will learn as you go along. We will change your habits to a great extent. We will probably do things very differently than we've done before. So the, the economy has got to change with that. Right, it's like you know. I am never know that we will be sitting in a in a movie theater or in a Broadway theater next to each other, and feel comfortable watching a movie or watching a show. I am not sure we'll be you know sitting packed up in a, in a Yankee Stadium watch the game. So all those things are going to change. So the new normal will be very different. It is going yeah. to be, you know, a lot more will be on the virtual level. Maybe there are more people watching those uh, these games and movies on, the, on their, you know, streaming in services as opposed to doing that. In fact, yeah. it just started, you know, a couple of one, one particular group has actually started releasing movies, not in the movie theaters, but streaming directly into the patient. They can actually go in, buy the movie ticket and get it streamed into their home. That is a big thing. So what would happen to all the movie theaters we have, multiplex and all those stuff we have built over a period of time? What will happen to the entire Broadway of New York City, right? What happens? What will happen to the restaurants, which are, you know, do we, will we wait outside waiting for uh, reservations for the restaurants, able to do that? So all those things are going to be, so there is not going to be normal. The normal, as you know of it, is very different. So the new normal is it's very difficult to predict because we don't know what, how it looks like. How much of tolerance and how much of confidence we will, we will have is something which we do not know. Hopefully, 9-11 well, will get better quickly and come back to normal. Or it may be, it may change our life for, for a long period of time. Yeah, and travel, right? You yeah. mentioned travel, but of course, I'm, I'm sure you're thinking about it too. I, I, my travel has come down to zero in the last mm-hmm. couple of months. And in my work and in my life, we, you know, I've been a heavy traveler for decades and decades. And I just cannot imagine. So someone, someone told me this is like a 9-11 moment for healthcare. In more ways than one, travel is not going to be the same again. You know, getting on a plane, sitting next to another individual, just like you're talking about Yankee Stadium or a Broadway show, Mm-hmm. That has got to change as well, among many, many other things. Absolutely. But it's going to be an interesting uh, era for sure. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that simply means it depends on the fact is how quickly in the Broadway or the airlines uh, trying to reorganize themselves and reconfigure the seats, it is going to be something we have to see. Yeah. That simply no, means that uh, it may be less number of people traveling and more people and people are willing to pay more money. Or they may, people will be traveling more by car than by than by plane. So there is going to be a big shift in the transportation modality in this country very quickly. Yeah. Dr. Raju, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for uh, setting aside time. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Sure, please. Thank you, Patty. And it's been very, very interesting and informative for me. And thanks for this opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at info at thebigunlock.com.